Ooh, all right, ladies and gentlemen, Slim Society followers and followettes, welcome back once again to the Slim Society show. It's your friendly neighborhood nutritionist, Connor Rhodes, once again, coming back at you. It is lovely to be speaking to you again. Live for me right now, it is Wednesday, the 3rd of February, coming at you from a slushy central Sheffield. <laughs> After we were snowed in yesterday, people were acting like it was Armageddon, but it rained all night and now we're slushing back to normal. So it's lovely to be speaking to you again today and I've got a number of topics that I want to go through and let me just have a little chat. Where is it? Uh, at least four or five, yeah, four questions sent in from listeners across the old interweb, whether you're finding us on Podbean, Spotify, Stereo, Facebook, um, is the biggest place to find our content or messaging through slumsociety.co.uk. Thank you for your questions, but there's just a couple of things I wanted to talk about first. The first thing I just wanted to put out there to remind you, to remind anybody else that might be listening, and maybe I'm saying this to the wrong person, because if you're listening to a podcast that's about health and happiness, fat loss, food and fitness, <laughs> all this kind of stuff, then you must be keeping it in mind. You're trying to bring some positivity and some health into your life, and this is good, and this is what I wanted to remind you just to make sure that you are working on, just to be pleased, especially at this time when times are hard, to be looking after your health and yourself. It is so, so important. We're in the coronavirus. We're in the middle of the pandy. I'm sure you've heard. I'm sure you've heard. So things are tough right now. Stress is high. Things are shut down. Forms of support are low as well, aren't they? Which is why I'm glad to be speaking to you right now. Because people have varying support, don't they, in different places, and you can't necessarily go see your friends or your family at all or as much as you'd want to right now. And yes, we can Zoom, but it's not exactly the same, is it? We're also in the Zoomiverse. It's not exactly the same. Is it? People can't see their counsellors, they can't see their therapists, they can't go see their personal trainers. There's quite a lot of things you can't do, but I can be here with you. So I'm just so glad for that because we've got to try and go for and grasp for any positivity that we can get. And you've also got to try and create it because there's just not as much free flowing around. You know, these days, there's not enough just free positivity and happiness just floating around in the world right now. So we've got to do what we can to create health and happiness where we can. And thankfully, your health is one of the things that is in your control. And it's so important to be working on this right now because you can find and create great positivity and happiness in your life through working on this area. You can feel good. You can feel better. You can spend your time well because there's not as much we can do right now, is there? Some things are shut down. We, we don't have access to this. You can't do that thing that you want to do. One thing you can do though is look after yourself and your health, your body and your mind. You might not be able to spend your time doing everything you want to do, but there are still some things you can do and you can choose to spend the time that you've got well. It can give you something positive to focus on and to feel good about yourself about so that you feel like you're achieving something, you're focusing on something, you're learning about something positive, you're at least moving forward in one area, if not every area. It's also so important just to keep control on what you can control. Like I said a minute ago, some things are shut down, some things you don't have access to, you can't control the government rules or the virus or any, anything like this, can you? You can't control these things. I know that's one of the things that's tough about it, but you can control some things in your life and health is one of them. You can choose what you eat. 
you can choose to eat a little bit less or to eat a vegetable. You can still get out for a walk. You could stretch your legs outside walking or inside. You could put on a little beginner's stretching tutorial on YouTube, not even yoga, because yoga's tough. I yoga and I suck at yoga and I, I, I do yoga <laughs> and it's too flipping hard for me, I swear. But beginner's stretching routine, ooh. Now your knees could hurt a little bit less and so could your back, couldn't you? You could spend some time learning about food or learning to cook different foods, you know, just focusing on something. Your health is one of the things that is in your control and it's just so important now not to let some things be negative cascade and just take everything else out like dominoes. It's not good to just, it's not helping you or serving you short-term or long-term to let other things crash down around you just because because some things are negative, what? Let that just take over and take down everything else. A little pause in the audio there, but I was saying hopefully not, hopefully you're not letting things slip and slide down. And if you don't, if you do try, if you're here speaking to me, if you're at least just trying to eat some of the right things or not consume all of the snacks <laughs> or trying to just move a little bit and create some positivity or some health or some happiness in your life, you're going to be coming out of the other side of this in a more positive position than you would be otherwise. What position will that be? I don't know. I don't know. I, I don't know. I don't know what position I'm going to be either in either by the end of all of this, but if we try and if we f if we focus our efforts and our minds in positive places, you and I will be coming out of the other side of this in a better position than we would be otherwise, rather than just letting everything crash around, or crash down around us. A lot of you as well, speaking about things crashing down around you, a lot of you as well, you have people that rely on you. Maybe it's work, Maybe you've got work requirements or commitments. Maybe it's your husband. Maybe it's your children. If you've got if you've got children, people are relying on you. Maybe it's relatives. Maybe it's friends. Maybe it's pets. But people are, a lot of you listening right now, people are relying on you. If you let things in your life crash down and then you go down, other people are going down with you aren't they? We don't want to sink everyone's boat if you're helping keep others afloat, do you? Do you? If you go down, other people are going down too. You have to keep yourself strong if you want to be carrying other people. You will struggle to make other people happy if you aren't happy. If you don't have spare and enough energy to help these people that you're trying to help, like if you don't have spare of anything, then you can't give it. If you, if you want to give someone money, you need spare. If you want to give someone your time, you need spare. If you want to give someone happiness or help them stay stronger or get through this tough time, like I'm sure you do, are you finding it tough? Yes, so what do you think your people are finding it like? Tough too. Everyone's finding it tough. Tough too. So if you want to be there for your people, to help your people, you need to be looking after yourself. It's like that old saying, you can't fill somebody else's cup if yours is only half full. Or why they tell you to put your mask on, on an aeroplane, before your children. Because if you can't breathe, everyone's going down. Everyone's going down. So you need to make sure you're not drowning. Literally or metaphorically. <laughs> you need to make sure you're okay if you're hoping to help other people be okay. This is honestly one of the reasons why I believe that 
I have a strong ability to help people with their food and with their food control and with their weight management because I've already struggled and sorted mine. So I'm not, I'm not saying I'm perfect or it's super easy for me or I'm nutritional Jesus, but I'm okay with it. I'm okay with my body weight, my food's decently under control. I eat well, I don't find it that much of a struggle. I've been doing it a long time. It's fine for me. It's not that, it's not that hard for me. That means I don't have too much baggage. So if I'm trying to help you on the journey, if I'm getting weighed down by my own baggage, and I see you struggling, but I'm already struggling, and I'm like, here, I can carry you. No, then we're both going down, aren't we? If I'm barely making it myself and I'm hoping to carry you, this is not going to work. You need to drop your baggage sometimes. Help yourself a little bit first sometimes. Maybe be a bit selfish to not be selfish sometimes so that you've actually got capacity to be helping other people. And I know it sounds crazy at first, doesn't it? Because you're, you're putting so much time and effort. A lot of ladies that either just, just talk to me or that are in my actual coaching program or something like this, spend their entire lives putting other people first, their family, their children first, work first, so that they're getting their kids ready in the morning, then they work all day and then they come back and then the kids are back again and then you're cooking meals and then you're looking after your husband and then you're cleaning the house and then when and where are you looking after you? And a lot of ladies don't. It's not that they're not trying to look after themselves or they don't care. It's just that literally they've got a list of 19 things to do and they are number 18. <laughs> but you might be feeling this. You might have felt it. I've seen it so many times. If that goes too far, your ability to help other people can be hampered. I've seen ladies who don't focus on their own food because they're always cooking for other people. They'll cook a nice meal for the family. There's nothing less for themselves. They'll just eat seconds or, oh, it's fine. I'll just get snacks or I'll just, oh, I'll just sort myself later. Never looking after themselves fully. Never making the time for them to exercise because they're always running, the, I don't know, the kids around to their after school classes or clubs and, you know, looking after the pets and cleaning. All, all this can never looking after their body quite properly, let's say. And then over time, it just, everything in your body's use it or lose it. And your body's like a biological vehicle. So it's like having a car that you're not quite putting the correct fuel into or getting serviced or looking after it. And after a while, it just starts to feel clunky. And I've seen ladies get to the point where they're, they're struggling themselves. They're not sleeping well. They're overweight. Their knees hurt. Their food feels out of control. They're, they're bloated. They just feel heavy. They feel sluggish, but still. They're trying to look after other people and focusing on the other people. And it gets to the point sometimes where they can't. If you're struggling to get up and down or you're struggling to get out of chairs or around or you can't walk very far or have not slept well, then how are you supposed to be expecting to look after all these other people and do all this other stuff? So sometimes you have to be selfish and look after yourself. And it can also help sometimes to explain to the people that you're trying to look after that you actually need some rest sometimes and some actual time for yourself if you want to have energy to actually look after these other people. Because sometimes they don't understand because you're real good at pretending everything's okay. <laughs> when really things are real tough. But you're really good with your brave face, with your poker face. You're real good at that one, aren't you? So sometimes people don't know. Sometimes people don't know. So it's... Um, Good to tell them that sometimes you need to do a little bit for you or they could even sometimes do a little bit for you imagine that imagine that <laughs> not always not always not in every way but imagine if we were a fair family and i did for you and you did for me Ooh. now everybody's having an easier better time and everybody's contributing and getting more fulfillment and we're all going forward to, together and, and better than we would be otherwise solo or separately are we not
Which brings me semi-smoothly, but not really, onto my next point about if you don't want to do this solo or smoothly, you don't have to. Um, if, if you want help in looking after yourself and focusing on yourself in a positive way to give yourself more time and more energy and more freedom, because after you get rid of your issues, it's a lot easier to help other people with theirs, then contact me. You can message me through many of these mediums, except maybe Spotify and iTunes. Don't do that. Um, <laughs> but you can message me through Facebook or uh, other places that you may be finding this. I don't know if you can me message me through the other podcast apps to be on it. Or just go to slumsociety.co.uk and just message me through there if you're looking for help. Which brings me on to, again, my next point. Because another thing I wanted to mention is about people being too nervous to ask for help. And specifically to ask for help from me, because obviously I am only me. I don't know who else you might be asking help from, but lately I've just been having a couple of conversations with people looking to join my program, who keep telling me they're very scared, <laughs> or, and also people who are already on my program, telling me that they used to be very scared. So I just wanted to see if I could clear a little bit of this air around this maybe issue, if you wanted to call it that. And I would like to say, firstly, I completely understand it. I understand why you feel nervous, not only about joining my program, but about joining any program, really. Or you could take it another level, doing anything new. It's natural to be nervous about things that are new, isn't it? It's natural to be nervous. Sometimes you're only nervous because you care, aren't you? Sometimes you're only nervous because you care. But it's completely understandable for many reasons. Two main ones, to me, immediately sprung to mind. And I don't think you can be blamed. I, I do not blame you for feeling nervous. But I think you would feel nervous for two reasons. Number one is the way that your brain works, which is why I wanted to mention this, because I think it's interesting information and it can help you think clearer and make better decisions if you understand how decision-making works and how your mind works and how it comes to its decisions. Because your brain is a future predicting mechanism. That's one of its main functions. You try and imagine, if I do this, then what will happen? If I do that, then what will happen? Should I do this? Will this be a positive or a negative outcome from these decisions that I'm making? Will this feel good? Will this lead to happiness? Is this good for me short term? Is this good for me long term? With everything, with the foods that you eat, with where that you go, with things that you buy, with where you work, with even going to work, you know, all these things, all these things. We're always thinking, mm, we're trying to figure out what to do. We're trying to guess future outcomes to make positive choices in life, if this makes sense. So then how do you think that your brain comes to decisions on whether you should do this or that, or what that might be like if you did that thing? Like if you joined my program, oh, I wonder, I wonder what might happen. I wonder, ooh, you wonder what might happen, don't you, if you joined? Well, then how, are you, how is your imagination painting you this picture, telling you this story of what might happen if you joined my program or if you joined any program or if you did any damn thing? <laughs> it's from past experience. That's the only information your brain has to try and predict the future is with the past. It's with things that have happened to you in the past. In your past, when we're talking dieting, most likely for most people, 
most diets you've done in the past have likely failed and they've likely sucked a little bit, <laughs> haven't they? Most likely they've been difficult, most likely they've caused hunger, most likely they've caused stress, probably it's not worked, or if it did work, the weight just went down and then it went back on, which means it didn't work, <laughs> doesn't it? This is, this is your past experience with dieting, so I forgive you for thinking that this will be the same. Because you would, naturally, wouldn't you? Na probably, mo most people, you may be, but most people, to be fair, it's a probs, most people find dieting difficult. Most people think it's not the easiest time and you haven't had the easiest time with it in the past, so why would you think if you did it, then it was necessarily gonna go well or it was gonna be an easy time, you can't be blamed. But you would only think it would be the same if you didn't know how it worked, because it won't be the same. So you can be give, you can be forgiven for thinking, oh, well, if, if I try and diet this time, it'll be the same as every other time. And every other time has been a bad time, so this is going to be a bad time too, so why should I even bother, because it's not even going to work in the first place. Well, yeah, all right. That is one side of the coin, you're kind of right. That has happened every other time, but this time isn't every other time, and it's not going to be the same, is it? Because you, you if you learn from your lessons, you won't do things in the same way as you did last time. If you keep going back and smacking your head onto the same wall, okay, then yes, it's going to be the same and you can prove yourself right if you want. <laughs> go back to a, go back and do something that's not worked in the past. And then see if it feels so smart then when you say, oh yeah, see, I knew it wasn't going to work. Yeah, well, yeah, in that case, so did I. <laughs> if you do the same thing, then you should expect the same, shouldn't you? So what, what are we going to do? What should we do? What should you do? Regardless of what you do, if you want a different result, you should do something different, shouldn't you? That's what you should do. We should do something different. Um, because it won't be the same. It won't be the same this time. And if you think that it's going to be the same, that's only if you wasn't, if you weren't understanding how it works. It's So at point number two, this is literally my second point. Point number two is that you are misunderstanding or misimagining because you're using the powers of your imagination to try and predict the future of what will this Dieting, these dieting principles or protocols feel like? Will it work and how will I feel? Aren't you? It's, it's the misunderstanding or the misimagining of what we are going to do. Do you know that I have the easiest fat loss program in the world? In the world. Others may be equally easy. I don't know every fat loss program. True. I know what you're thinking. You don't know every program. You're right. I don't know every program. I know a lot of programs. <laughs> I know a lot of programs, okay, but not all of them. You're right. So then how do I know mine's the easiest? Well, I've already conceded that others could be equally easy, but none could be easier. None could be easier because I have the minimum amount of rules that are set by biology, the Lord God, evolution, <laughs> whatever you believe, <laughs> whatever you believe, whoever designed all this business, what's going on, we follow only the rules that are set into biology for, for how fat loss works. You should know by now, if, you, if you're a Slum Society follower, how fat loss works. You have to eat less calories than your body needs. And then so that you don't die, essentially, I know, but it's true. So that you don't die, your body sucks out your body fat and then it burns that away and gives you those calories from then instead. That's what it's for. That's one of the main reasons that it exists. It's one of the things that it's for. So it's a, normal, it's a normal thing, it's a normal thing. So you eat less, you eat less technically than your body requires per day in terms of like calorie, which just means energy in terms of energy requirement. 
And then your body makes up the energy deficit, that calorie deficit that people keep talking about. Your body makes up the deficit by sucking out your body fat and burning it away, burning it away. And then you get slimmer and then you lose weight. And then sometimes health improves and things like this too. So that's what you've got to do. And that's how every single diet works. Every single one, every single diet. Well, okay, all right, all right, I'll concede. Unless it's a non-successful diet that doesn't actually work. <laughs> Unless it's just a straight up failure. Any diet that actually works and gets you to lose body fat and then body weight through that, they all cause a calorie deficit. No, they don't all work the same. Not on another level. No, they all cause the calorie deficit in a different way. You're right. Like some do low carb, some do low fat, some do healthy eating, some do supplements only, some do, I don't know, keto, carnivore, whatever you want to do. Vegan, whatever it might be. But they all change your foods in some way or the foods that you eat or the food, the food plan, let's say, to cause a calorie deficit. That's how they all work. So on, on my program, it's much easier than this, you know. It's much easier than this because there's only two things we'll actually do to control your calories, and it's way easier than any of those other ways that I've just mentioned. Number one, and now I, there's, there's only look, there's two things we're going to do. Number one, and I know this sounds offensive at first, the first one's calorie counting, and you think, oh, God, I know, I know. Sounds terrible, doesn't it? It's not terrible. It's actually, it's it's not fun, I will say that. It's not fun, but it's actually probably the least offensive way of dieting because you could cut out carbs forever. Do you know what calorie counting is? It's using an app on your phone. Probably you're doing that now to listen to this, aren't you? You use apps all the time, every day. It's not that bad. Some of them, you like them, don't you? It's using an app on your phone. You can use an app on your phone or you can cut out carbs forever. Good luck. You have fun with that one. You have fun. Or you could never eat anything nice ever again. Good. Oh, that'll be fun. Or we could go back to Skinny Watches or Weight World for the 94th time and try and follow that plan until we struggle or get bored. Or when we eventually achieve our goal and then you can't stick to it for the rest of your life forever, all the weight comes back when you go back to eating normal. <gasps> oh, yeah, good luck. That'll be nice, won't it? Or you could switch to a supplement-only diet forever. You could just cancel all foods. That'd be great. Wouldn't oh, you'd have fun. No, would you? No. These are terrible ideas. Or, or, do you know what we could do? You could just use an app on your phone. And if you just, it doesn't even have to be perfect. It can't even be perfect. The more you know about calorie counting, the more you realize that it's just estimations anyway. It's not for nitpicking. It's not for nitpicking, okay? Calorie counting is just estimating anyway. If you just put in what you eat into the app on your phone, it takes five minutes per day. Oh, but you don't know how to do it. I know, but you get used to it. It's flipping food education. Again, it's easier than every other method. Then you just put the foods into the app. It tells you roughly how many calories you're eating. Then, do you know what we'll do? Well, part 1B is we'll realize that, oh yes, that's too many. <laughs> because that's just how it works. Okay, if your weight's higher than you want it to be, the calorie intake's higher than it needs to be. So I don't really, whatever number that it comes out at, if you've put the foods in correctly and come out with a, a decent-ish estimation, then whatever it is, it's too high, okay? It just is, that's how it works. And it's, not, it's not that you're a bad person or anything. It's just the calorie intake's too high. Okay, so then guess what we're going to do number two? Guess what we're going to do number two? We're not just going to put you on a meal plan and say, okay, all those foods you love and all those meals that you eat and all this food that your family likes to eat as well and everybody's used to eating these normal food, cancelled. Cancelled. No, we're not going to do that. No, you're going to switch to this. These foods that I... This guy, Connor Rhodes, bald guy from the internet, random guy, doesn't even know you. I think you should eat this random stuff. I don't even know if you can cook that. I don't know if you like it. I don't know if you can even get that where you live. Makes no sense, does it? No. Meal plans make no sense. We're not going to do that. 
And we're not going to cut out all the foods that you love either, because that's just going to give you just cravings that build and build and build in the background until you explode and you just wake up covered in crumbs and biscuits. Hey, you know, don't you? So no, we're not going to cut out all the foods that you love. There aren't any special magical fat loss foods. That's not how it works. We've been through how it works. We just have to drop the calories down a little bit. And I don't even mind where you drop the calories down from or where you take them from. I really don't, I don't mind. You can take them from wherever you want, as long as number one, it works, and your weight goes down and you actually do it, because that's, that's what we're doing, and then number two, that you like it, and you're happy with it. So number one is we'll look at the calories in the foods that you're eating now. Not even change anything, just look at the calories in the foods that you're eating now. Part 1B, realize that's too many. <laughs> yes, okay, that's a bit too many calories. And then I'll look at it, and you'll look at it. Because the app that we use, I can view the food diary from my phone as well if I want, and so I can see what you're putting into it, and then we can both look. Even through the internet, even in the Zoomiverse, we can both look. Um, and then we'll say, ooh, okay, you've got, a little, you've got a few too many calories in this place, a few too many here, and a few too many here. And you'll say, well, Connor, look, I really like that one. Okay, <laughs> I don't want to change. I'll say, okay, all right, steady now. We don't have to change any one thing. We don't have to change something, otherwise nothing will change. We went through that earlier didn't we? But I don't mind what we change, so you can change whatever you want. And you'd say, okay, maybe I could cut out a few calories in that area. Good. See, now we're getting somewhere. So what we do is, number one, calorie assessment of your diet right now. Number two, start adjusting it. Usually only one or two swaps at a time. Usually one or two swaps every like one or two weeks. That's it, literally. Look at the calorie diary. All right, let's swap a couple of things. See how you feel. Assess and adjust. After about a week, if you don't like it, okay, we'll swap something else instead. It doesn't matter what we swap, we just have to swap some things. So then you just adjust your normal foods and your normal diet to be a bit more calorie appropriate. You don't even have to change the meals that you're eating. You can still order a takeaway, just order a slightly lower calorie one. You can still have, I don't know, pizza from the freezer, if that's what you want. Okay, but just buy a slightly lower calorie freezer pizza. You can still use ready meals. You can still go to McD's, just buy the slightly lower calorie meals. You know, you know, <laughs> don't you? It sounds sounds fine. Does it? I know it's not that bad. See, it's not that bad. There's nothing to be scared of. People are so nervous, but and I understand because you think, oh, if I, when I join his program, oh, I'm gonna find I'm gonna struggle. Well, you'd think you're gonna struggle if you didn't understand what we we're gonna do. So all the first thing you're gonna have to do is just look at the calories in the things that you eat now. That's not even change anything. The second thing is you're going to pick which calories you swap from where and what you flipping swap them to. So you take as many calories as you want out, or as few. You can swap whatever you want or what you don't want. It's all up to you. I'll just help and I'll just guide. This is how it goes. And then you just adjust your own diet, just slowly but surely. So you're eating pretty much the same things. You don't have to shop nowhere crazy or start any mad meal plans or recipes or nothing like this. You just, what foods are you eating now? Okay, let's try and just adjust to slightly lower calorie versions of them. Not so bad, is it? Not so bad. That's it, you can barely fail, literally. You can barely fail. Will you always choose the right swaps and changes and will you always eat perfectly? No. Does that matter though? No, because if we just try, you'll just get better and better and better and some swaps will stick and some swaps you won't like and then we'll keep trying and we'll just find ways slowly of just eating better that fit your lifestyle. Different ways of eating the same foods that you enjoy that just helps you wait to be where you want it to be as well. Not that hard, especially not when you choose your own goals. Anyway. Anyway, wait a second. Let me 
find those questions again for you. Here we go, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you to people that have sent in questions. I'm just going to go, how long have we been on the podcast? Nearly half an hour, not bad, eh? Um, I'm just going to go bang, 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 bang out of these four questions. Thank you to the people that have submitted them. These questions came through Facebook, which is one of the best places to find me. You can also see my video content there. Um, Or some of these questions came through slumsociety.co.uk as well. There's many, like, message boxes that you can send a message to on the website and it comes straight through to me. Thank you. So question one was, which foods fill me up best? I'm going to have to say equally ranking first is protein and vegetables. That's what I'm going to have to say. Rank number one, equal, joint first. Higher protein intake, whether you're vegan, vegetarian, omnivore, fussy eater, maketh no difference. Get a good protein intake. It'll keep you fuller for longer. Um, and vegetables as well for being fibrous, for being high volume, for being low calorie per like volume and amount of weight and amount of stuff that you can actually eat in high water containing and just healthy and good for you in general. And I, I would have to give uh, the bronze medal third place to fruit, um, honorary mention to fruit for being um, on average over fit more filling than other carbohydrates and more filling than the weight of it per gram would suggest due to its high nutritional value and fiber and high water content and um, different types of sugars and just healthiness in general so it sends good signals to the body that you've got good nutrition and it's true which foods fill me up best protein veg and fruit it's the healthy stuff do it question two should i take vitamin d which do you have? <laughs> All right, should should you take vitamin D? Probably is the answer. Probably yes. Pretty much everybody should. If you've got darker skin colours as well, but not really everybody, because everybody just works inside. You can't make vitamin D through windows. You can't make it through clothes. You can't even make it when the sun's at a high or a, um, I know a low angle or a low angle the other way. So kind of at like 25 degrees or less. Sunrise or sunset, because the flipping atmosphere absorbed, absorbs the type of i can't remember to be honest whether it's uva or uvb ray which hits your skin and then creates vitamin d but it doesn't get through anyway and when we do go outside we wear clothes so we're not going outside enough especially in the locky d are we especially in the lockdown um to be getting enough sunlight so supplementing with vitamin d is a good idea it's also having higher vitamin d levels is positively correlated with better covid outcomes so it's good to take vitamin d for that too so probably you should too you can get your levels tested privately or at the doctors um if you really want to you've usually got to have a reason though to get it done at the doctors um i have a spray a vitamin d like breath spray like a mouth spray literally it doesn't taste amazing doesn't taste awful it's, it, the brand is better you and it's available on amazon it's a 3000 iu spray which is quite strong um Usually I'd recommend to people more like 2,000 IU per day or something like this. But I use 3,000 and I think that's good. It's up to you. Should you take vitamin D, probs, which do I have? Better better you, 3,000 IU spray. Available Amazon, also supermarkets and stuff like that. A local company as well to central England. Cool, cool, cool. Question three, I want to turn up. What should I do? Strength train. That's That's basically the answer. Get stronger. That's basically the answer. Uh, stronger muscles are more toned muscles, or sometimes bigger muscles, depending on gender and testosterone level, <laughs> etc. Because when women strength train, you do get slightly bigger muscles, but it more just looks like density and more like muscle tone, and it kind of just tones up because women have smaller bones and a, a hormonal profile less conducive to muscle building, shall we say, lower testosterone levels, essentially than men do, because testosterone is positively muscle building, etc., etc. That's why men are a little bit stronger, apart from bone structure, 
etc. So what you need to do anyway is strength train if you're looking to tone up. Um, just the, the muscle, every, every muscle that you've got, the stronger it is, the more toned it will be. So you need to find a couple of exercises, maybe one or two exercises, a couple for each muscle group that you want to tone up and then just work at those exercises to make your muscles stronger. There you go. If you eat enough protein as well, it shall be done. Question four. When I'm losing weight, I always get to a certain weight, but can't go lower. Why? And the why has got lots of exclamation marks and then question marks as well sounding stressed. When I'm losing weight, I always get to a certain weight, but can't go lower. Why? Well, there are no fat loss barriers internally. There's no like magical fat loss fairies holding on to your body fat or stopping it going down. There's literally no, even despite things that you might read online, like set point theory, quote unquote, etc. There are no barriers internally that stop you losing body fat. It's not really possible because if you got to a certain weight and then you didn't eat, but you also didn't lose weight, you'd live forever, <laughs> wouldn't you? You'd, what, so you just don't need food now? Do you not what, you just, that's it then. Is it why do you even buy food then at this point? Why don't you just stay that way and live forever as an immortal? That's not real, is it? That's not real. What is real is what's called metabolic adaption, which is kind of like, as you're losing weight, your body fights back a little bit from the weight loss. Does it stop the weight loss? No, not if you're in a calorie deficit, then body fat always comes off. If you've got no body fat at all, and then you're still in a calorie deficit, then that can be unhealthy because then you'll start to lose muscle mass and things will just start to go south. So that's not good. Um, but what metabolic adaptation is, is your body fighting back a little bit from the fat from the fat loss and from the diet to essentially as a an evolutionary built-in survival mechanism to try and ensure that you don't starve to death so the more weight you lose the hungrier you get and this is your body trying to sort of drive you to find food because it might think you're in some kind of famine position sort of thing and when i say it might think i'm speaking I don't know, I don't know if anthropomorphically is the correct word, to be honest. Um, giving something human um, human thoughts and characteristics when it doesn't necessarily have them. Um, like the body doesn't really think anything, does it? The brain thinks. Yeah, anyway, anyway, if you understand, it's just an analogy, isn't it? It's just an analogy. Um, but your body does fight, even, even saying the body fights back a little bit is also kind of like an analogy because it's not literally fighting back, is it? Anyway, anyway. Um, that is kind of what happens because as you lose weight, firstly, there are a number of things that can slow or stop your weight loss. Firstly, as you lose weight, the amount of calories that you require per day to stay the same weight goes down. So you have to eat less calories the lighter you get to keep losing more weight, if that makes sense. So if you're 18 stone, you might be losing weight nicely on, I don't know, 2,600 calories per day. I'm just completely making that up. Let's just say that it is. And then after a while, you get down to 16 stone, let's say, and then it doesn't work anymore, you might have to take your calorie intake lower. That can be how it goes because lighter people require less calories to stay the same weight. It's kind of like how smaller cars require less fuel, smaller bodies require less calories. That's how it goes. So your calorie maintenance level goes down due to being lighter through, to, through successful weight loss. Your calorie maintenance level also goes down. Another factor that... Um, 
sort of pairs with this is that your usually people's movement, if you don't track it and try, also goes down when dieting due to energy levels being poor. So you burn less calories per day through being lighter and you burn less calories per day through not moving as much due to having lower energy levels. Or if you do exercise, if you do weight lift or you do run and then you enter a calorie deficit, then sometimes that can hamper it and then you can't lift as much weight or run as far and then that makes you burn less calories in that way. So you can see how that kind of contributes to it. Like I said earlier, hunger goes up as well. You've got literal hunger hormones that the more weight you lose in a row without stopping and taking breaks, hunger hormones just rise and rise and rise in your bloodstream, just driving you insane until you end up eating everything, everything. And also we get something that's called portion distortion, which means uh, that's kind of an umbrella summary word that means you're eating more calories without really realizing that you are. And you will look at the amount of food on your plate and you will swear to the Lord that that is the same amount of food that you always eat. And I have not changed my calorie intake, I promise, but the weight has stopped going down. But really the portions have just been creeping up slowly over time and it's just been so steadily over time that you've not really noticed that the amount of food that you're eating when calorie deficits are quite sensitive. It's quite hard to create one and they are quite sensitive. They're easy to... I don't know. Um, don't know what the correct phrase would be really. It's easy to, I'll just say ruin it. <laughs> Maybe it's easy to ruin it. Maybe if with, like if you have 500 calorie day deficit you're making, that's hard to do, but you can ruin that with one muffin. <laughs> one muffin can be 600 calories. Now you've not eaten 500 calorie deficit, you've eaten 100 calories too many over maintenance. You've actually gained body fat on that day by 100 calories and it was only a muffin. <laughs> so, um, so if your portions just increase slightly or you start using a little bit more oil or there's just a little bit more mash on the plate or you just not I don't know you were weighing things out and checking your portions correctly and now you've stopped this is a this is a massively contributing factor so one anyway I'm just going to summarize this what when I'm losing weight I always get to a certain weight but can't go lower why because your calorie intake either the amount of calories it takes you to lose weight has gone down and you need to reduce your calorie intake further or this is a, a bigger factor, to be honest, a bigger factor, more likely and more often, your calorie intake has crept back up, even without you realizing. And if you started weighing out all your food and calorie counting and checking, which I know is a bit annoying, but is that more annoying than the weight not going down and you thinking your metabolism's broken and you can't get lower than a certain weight ever? No, you could just use the app and just like get out your weighing scales and just, you know, when you're eating pasta and you're like, oh, that's this many grams, why don't you just check? Or you know you're using eating breakfast cereal and you're like yeah 30 grams is one portion you've had 90 grams in the bowl why not just wait and check you know yeah I know that's that's annoying that's I know I know more annoying than being the way you don't want to be more annoying than being overweight and then not being able to make it go down further and being stuck in a position you don't want to be no it's just use the scales. You only have to do it once or twice. Just use the scales and check. Just use the scales and check. You'll realize that you're eating more calories than you thought you were, or you need to reduce your calorie intake a little bit further. And then when you do, the weight will keep going down, guaranteed. There's always ways to break through quote unquote plateaus. My last tip and total summary for this point, because it's an important point for you all, for you all is if your weight doesn't go down over one month, your calorie intake is not low enough. Look, it's just true. I know you think what? No, honestly, it's just true. It, you could, yeah, yeah, you could have water retention, yeah. But what about hormones? You're right, yeah. But if it's been a month, a month, then no, then no, the weight would have come down if you had a, if you had a calorie deficit large enough to lose enough body fat to actually cause weight loss. If it didn't over a month, and you're the same weight that you were last month, 
then not enough calorie deficit was created and you need to lower it. That's how it goes. That's how it goes. This is how everybody achieves their fat loss goal. 100% guaranteed. Anyway, if you've got questions, send them into slumsociety.co.uk. Thank you so much for listening. Coming up on 40 minutes on now on the podcast. Thank you for spending this time with me. I really appreciate it. I have been Connor Rhodes, your friendly neighborhood nutritionist. As always, and of course, please send me a message. Please like the video or leave us a review on iTunes or can you leave a review on Spotify? Is that a thing? I don't know. Try and do something nice. Give something back if you like this com- the content, if you got any information, education or motivation from this or if it passed a little bit of time positively or gave you something nice to think about. Thank you so much. Speak to you again and I'll see you again soon.